during my sabbatical the psalm that we will meditate on today was one passage that i found myself returning to and this passage ministered to me so much in the past few months and it would be great that we would be able to once again meditate on this word for our own souls psalm 25 is what we will be looking at today psalm 25 is an experiential psalm and in fact it deals with the fundamental priorities of the life of faith it deals with the essential issues we all deal with every day whether we realize it or not that is deliverance from enemies the forgiveness of our sins and the guidance in the ways of the lord the psalm consists of the essence of christian life and this psalm is a perfect model prayer for us christians this would this world is a difficult place for us and the difficulties come broadly speaking from two areas one is plain and simple it is because we are sinners and we blow it we give people ground for not appreciating us and the other difficulty comes from the fact that when we blow it we tend to alienate people and those people become hostile towards us and that hostility is unpleasant so there is difficulty in this world because of sin and there is difficulty from people who are our enemies beloved i invite you to open your bibles this morning to the book of psalms psalm 25 as i read the word of god of david to you o lord i lift up my soul o my god i trust i in you i trust let me not let me not be put to shame let not my enemies exult over me indeed none who wait for you shall be put to shame they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous make me to know your ways o lord teach me your paths lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the god of my salvation for you i wait all the day long remember your mercy o lord and your steadfast love for they have been from of old remember the, not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love remember me for the sake of your goodness o lord good and upright is the lord therefore he instructs sinners in the way he leads the some humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way all the paths of the lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies for your name's sake o lord pardon my guilt for it is great who is the man who fears the lord him will he instruct in the way that he should choose his soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land the friendship of the lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant my eyes are ever toward the lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net turn to me and be gracious to me for i am lonely and afflicted the troubles of my heart are enlarged bring me out of distress consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins consider how many are my foes and what and with what violent hatred they hate me O oh God my soul and deliver me let me not be put to shame for i take refuge in you may integrity and uprightness preserve me for i wait for you redeem israel o oh god 
out of all his troubles. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Father, for giving us this opportunity to meditate on your word. And we pray that, Lord, that you would bless our time now and you would speak to us in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So friends, as I mentioned, two things we see clearly in this psalm. David is dealing with the fact that he has got sin and that he has got enemies. And this is brought together in verses 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. His affliction and his trouble come from his sin. So he says, forgive all my sins. And in verse 19, he says, consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. David is lamenting over his sin and he's grieving over his enemies. In some ways, David's life is totally different from ours if you think for a moment. You have David, who is a great king, not anything like ours. David was a warrior. He was leading men in battle with mighty victories and sometimes defeats, but nothing like ours. David was surrounded with enemies. And you hear that David's pr David prayer sometimes that they are literally enemies who are violently hating him and want to end him. Not like our lives. I don't know about you, but I can't think of someone who is explicitly grinding an axe to avenge me. But don't lose sight of David's life. It is so much like ours. And this is the prayer that's mixed with these things. Unlike us, but suffering like us. Wrestling with sin like us and going to the Lord during suffering amid sin and seeking him for help. And if there's ever a practical prayer, this will be it. When our hearts are pulled away from the Lord, drifting away, tempted by forces outside of us, when our lives themselves can seem that they can be ripped off out of the Lord's hands, David is showing us today how to draw near to the Lord. If you see the psalm, it is a psalm with a structure that is a bit difficult to preach. It is an acrostic psalm. An acrostic psalm is that, that it goes through each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I can't preach an alphabetical sermon to you because it's translated in English. And it is long and a lot is going on in this text. So what I'm going to do for you is pull together a couple of themes. And by doing so, we will see what is the very heart of the psalm. So the first thing that we see is that David's enemies drive David to God. That's the first thing we will look at. David's enemies drive David to God. You'll see that in verses 1 and 5, and you will see that even later in verses 19 to 22. So at the very start of this prayer, faith is David's foundation. He prays with this full conviction, in you I trust. Right there, we could learn from that. We see this in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame, let not my enemies exalt over me. He begins in faith, and the circumstances are his enemies. He is worried about his enemies. They are threatening to put him to shame, and threatening to exalt over him or triumph over him. And his enemies, and even in verse 19, they hate him with violent hatred, 
but david is declaring lord in you i trust to you o lord i lift up my soul oh my god in you i trust we see hebrew parallelism here it parallels with lord or yahweh with my god and i lift my soul with trust in you what david is saying the word the word lift up is an idea of picking up carrying and delivering something david is saying that he is taking his soul and giving it to god he is lifting up his heart to god and he is saying i am handing myself over to you i am entrusting myself to your care now we do this when we come to christ initially when we when we are first saved when we realize that we have no strength in ourselves for salvation and we cannot weave the rope of righteousness that we need with our own works they will never do for our best works are filthy rags and so we entrust ourselves to christ and his finished work that he lived the perfect life and died that turning that that we might have life it should become and then that salvation time it should become a pattern of our lives daily and hourly we deliver ourselves up to god and say father take my life take my life and guard me protect me and instruct me that is what he is going to say over and over again is this the pattern of your life my friend not just once when you have made a decision or walked down the aisle or when you attended three attended a three day conference or when you attended a focus week or when you had that fantastic quiet time or a prayer that you particularly prayed this is the kind of life david was living and he was daily and totally giving himself to trusting in the lord and he says let me not be put to shame from the very start david is confident about the right way forward it doesn't mean he is not suffering but he is confident about the way that he is supposed to go he he was namely waiting on the lord and hoping in the lord that is why he says in verse 3 indeed none who wait for you shall be put to shame they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous so the only person who will be ashamed is the wantonly treacherous person the word wantonly treacherous means treacherous or wicked without a cause so david is saying that i know these people who are sinfully treacherous towards me who are wicked i know they are the ones who are going to be put to shame it is so difficult to not to do anything to someone trying to harm us without cause you know the temptation is you got to fight fire with fire if someone is giving you a hard time to you at work you do the same and put the person in his place if your spouse thoughtlessly accuses you of some wrongdoing you fling a few in her way in these wars on social media some types of comments are a subtle manner of they are putting us down it's payback time comment something back with the same enthusiasm the temptation is i need to fight as he fights how could he do that well hello how could he do that but david is not being fooled by that he says in you i trust no one he says who waits for you shall be put to shame now think for a moment what is that one thing 
we do not like when we call a customer care on do or at this lot or for an insurance approval call when we are put on hold for a quite a quite a long time waiting is hard for us some of us may have to wait all our lives to see if we will receive the final vindication and the second part of the verse says they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous some receive that in this life but sometimes this waiting will be long but there will come a day folks there will be a day that will reveal it that that is what the new testament says wait on the day don't seek vengeance in this life don't seek the right of yourself entrust yourself to god and there will be a day when you can lift up your eyes and look fully upon your lord jesus all those who have dealt treacherously will have their faces down in shame all the glories and the honors of this world will fleet away and be unremembered and all the persecutions and the tests will also fleet away from the for the reward that we will receive at the last day you see we celebrated the first coming of our lord jesus christ this last december and my hope just as you have remembered that my prayer is that you will remember and look forward to the coming of our lord jesus christ who will wipe away every tear heal every broken heart and vindicate us and call us into his fellowship for eternity so friends the only way forward is to wait on the lord this is why this is the way christians think this is the way they reason themselves and since that's david's conviction you see why he prays as he prays in verse 4 he says make me known your ways o lord teach me your paths lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the god of my salvation for you i wait all the day long remember we don't like waiting and if we we have to learn how to wait we need to learn from god that's god's way so if you are convinced the only way to go through your trials is by trusting in the lord waiting on him is the way to do it then you will seek his help so that's the place you will go to to the lord and you will pray make me known your ways teach me lord lead me in your truth if you are convinced that god is the only person who can help you you go to god no one else or no other solution will do god alone is the god of his salvation the lord is the savior day by day you are the god who has proven yourself in the past and you will pro- prove yourself in the present and in the future so i will wait on you all the day long and that is hard for us you might say do you mean the only way forward is to wait on the lord just sit and not do anything that is what we often think and we feel restless it is not by your might that this is going to happen i will wait on the lord david says i am going to do what i can do no other wisdom of this world will do no other counsel from self help gurus will do no other zodiac signs or motivational videos will do it must be god who helps us god alone is the god of david's salvation it was this god who has proven himself and it is he who seeks to teach him and lead him and what he aims to learn god's ways god's path and god's truth meaning waiting on the lord is not doing anything like sitting in the lobby with a ticket in your hand waiting when your number will come friends it is 
picking up your Bibles, reading about God's character and meditating on God's word to the point that your focus is shift, shifted from your troubles, from your enemies and your challenges to trusting in the Lord and his covenant love towards you. And that is to say his constant hope will be in the Lord. Please show me your ways, David says. Make me known your ways. We tend to wander, don't we? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And we tend to veer to the right or the left. And David knows this and he says, Make me known your paths, Father. Guide me. Hem me in. If, if we were left to ourselves, where would we go? When I was young, I wanted to be on my own. I didn't want any accountability. Some, peop some young people like that, don't you? Leave me be, dad and mom. But it's God's grace that he guards our soul and he guides us in his ways. Lead me in truth, David says. We are in a generation that says there is no truth. This is what is being taught in schools these days. But David says he needs to learn God's ways. He, don't tr he doesn't trust himself. We naturally feel the same way. We want to do things on our own. We want to make our own decisions based on our own authority. We often wish to have autonomy in the way we will go, the decisions we make, the priorities we set, and the way we live. So David says, you lead me in your truth. Friends, how do you live your life? How do you make decisions? Do you heed the counsel of your pastors? Do you even talk about your decisions to someone? Or the godly brother or a sister who is counseling you on the ways of the Lord? And friends, it is not enough to just say, me and my Bible. I will learn God's ways. David, doesn't, David can, could have said that, right? I have the law, the Torah. Lord, I know how to obey you. That's good enough. I'll work hard on it. But he needed to ask God, pray to God and say, Lord, teach me, guide me, lead me, make me known your ways. So pray this way, my friend. Lord, as you read your word, ask God to help you apply these truths to your life and so that you would wait patiently on the Lord. Sadly, we live in a life where we say, or we do not say, but function like there is no truth. That is true for you, but not for me, we say. David says, no, there is truth. And he's asking God to teach him so that he can walk through this life. He's praying to God, even in verse 20, Oh God, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Similar to verses 1 and 2. So from the very start, David is confident that the only way forward is to take refuge in him and wait on him. And since that is his conviction, we see why he prays as he prays. He asks God for help. But then where is the only place you're going to? It is to the Lord with confidence. You will pray like David. May your conviction be just like David's. I know my own. I am helpless. I know on my own I am hopeless. So Lord, I wait for you. Lord, I hope in you. If this is going to go anywhere good, it must be through you. So enemies drive David to his Lord. That's the first theme. And then enemies drive him, but also sin drives him. 
sin drives david to his lord which is amazing when you think about it sin drives david to god you see that in verses 6 to 18 here in this section we will see a few more things themes sin drives david to god and specifically in verse 6 and 7 we see that sin drives david to seek god's mercy let's look at verse 6 remember your mercy o lord and your steadfast love for they have been from of old remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love remember me for you, for the sake of your goodness o lord so you see david is surrounded by enemies and he has come to the lord and those were the circumstances and he was worried about his enemies they were threatening him but he is not going to stop thinking just about his enemies as he goes to the lord because his enemies have driven him there trusting and waiting in the lord david doesn't stop he is also able to see his own heart and his own sinfulness where he is sinfully anxious he is thinking about the times when he was tempted to lie and then he is asking remember your mercy o lord and your steadfast love you might be thinking okay there might be really drastic times you know enemies but for us maybe uh i don't have to i can just focus on my difficulty and my struggle but not my sin but think for a moment even just as simple as parenting sometimes mothers say it's my job to worry have you heard that phrase it's my job to worry and they make it sound like it is their their it's valid for them to be anxious and worry about the well-being of their children but if you think that's if you move your focus from trusting in the lord lifting up your hearts and resting in his sovereign care and when you take that into your own hands and you're worrying you're sinning against the lord you're you're struggling with unbelief so it applies in many other ways that we can be tempted even during our trials we can be tempted to sin so that's why david says remember your mercy o lord and your steadfast love when david thinks of his sin he remembers god's mercy and true love these are the words that point to the covenant covenantal faithfulness of god david asks god to act on his behalf based on his mercy and steadfast love and these have been of old and this is the covenant god has made to abraham isaac and his forefathers god has been faithful to these people and this was his track record so when we are in sin and in guilt and ashamed of our wickedness god's mercy and loving kindness are the basis on which we are called to pray to god and the reason we can have that confidence in turning to god is because he has always been like this to his people He was merciful the first time when he came to faith. He is merciful the hundredth time when you sin against him. He will be gracious and full of compassion in the next time you sin even as you walk out of this door. So David prays to God to remember his mercy and steadfast love and then he asks God to not remember something. Verse 7. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. according to your steadfast love remember me for the sake of your goodness o lord so he is asking lord please also do not act of the, on uh, of the sins of my youth in other words lord forgive me he is asking instead of remembering me according to my sins 
Would you remember me according to your loyal love? You see, when we pray, sometimes we feel uncomfortable praying like this. When we, when we, when we, when we struggle with a habitual sin. Because in our hearts, we have willfully rebelled against God. It seems like we will ask God to forget our sins and be merciful to us. We feel pretentious. It's like spitting on a high court judge and then saying, please don't remember, but that just let me go free. It's such an audacious prayer. Don't treat me according to how I acted, but Lord, treat me instead according to your character. That is the prayer of faith of someone who knows who their God is. You and I are meant to pray this prayer whenever we sin against our holy God. So dear brother, dear sister, if you are here today holding on to some sin in your life and you are thinking, I will come to the Lord in prayer after some time and you are intentionally ignoring going to the Lord. Maybe you do not understand the Lord's ways because you are missing the point. You can never make God forget about your sins by doing good or hoping that the Lord will forgive you. But you are to plead to him based on his character, his steadfast love and the sake of his goodness. In verse 11 he says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. When we sin against our Lord, it is a betrayal of God's kindness towards us. We are saying, I love what I do more than you, God. And because of that, our sin is great. Everyone who has, who has sinned knows the burden of sin and the way it makes us feel guilty. The way that guilt you can never escape from. Even your good days will still be pull, being pulled down by the sense of being unforgiven. But our sin should always drive us to seek God's mercy. So sin drove David to God's mercy. And then sin drove David to learn obedience. We see that in verses 8 and 9. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. Good and upright. Because God is good, because he is upright. Do you see what is happening in David's mind? David is not torn and twisted inside, worried about what people will think what they, when they know he's a sinner or what his enemies would say about him. He's thinking about God's character and he's thinking good and upright is the Lord. And his mind is set on God's character and therefore he's willing to learn. I'm a sinner, I'm a wayward and God gives me instruction which keeps me on the path, that keeps me in the way. Verse 9, he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. God opposes the proud but God gives grace to the humble. So God is going to crush the proud but he is going to lead the humble to repentance. Why is this? It is because he is willing to teach the humble the right way. And then he again talks about God, God's character in verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. God's path and steadfast love are, uh, and faithfulness for those who keep his commandments. But even thinking about this, he's reminded of his sin in verse 11. He's convicted of his sin and he asks God, pardon me of my iniquity for it is great. 
So we see in this prayer that the more God, more David meditates on God's character, God's character, the more he is convicted of his sin, it is, he is again turning to God and asking for forgiveness. Isn't it the same for us? The closer we walk with God daily, the deeper our desire for obedience grows, we are painfully aware of how wicked and sinful we are. Think, think of it this way. The closer you move to the light of God, the more you draw near to Jesus, the light of the world, something happens. The more light brings more awareness of the stuff that is in the corner of your heart. If you think, I can't think of a sin I'm struggling with, don't deceive yourself, friend. Come and talk to your elders if you are one of those. Here is the mark of a true health in a believer who is feeling and growing to see that he is a chief among sinners and that Jesus is a great savior. And again, we will see the same theme continuing. David's sin drives him to think about God's character, learn obedience, and again plead for mercy. He says in verse 12, Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. What does it mean to fear God? Does it mean you are so afraid of him, you dare not draw near to him? No, that is not what it means. It doesn't mean that you are terrified to the point that you are fleeing away from God and you are never coming back because he is so frightening. That is not the kind of fear we got here. The fear God here means that this God takes himself seriously and the only possible way to approach him is the way he has instructed us to approach him. That is what it means. It means to that you fear so you follow his rules. It means that you say this God is the only one and I can trust in him and that he is the God of my salvation so I know that I will not escape judgment so I would fear his justice. And therefore, I'm going to do what he said to do to make atonement for my sin. And for David, it was offering sacrifices. And for us, it is looking to Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice. The one who fears the Lord wants to be instructed by the Lord and receive instruction from the Lord. And now in verses 14 and 15, we see the friendship of the Lord. We have a footnote in ESV that says the secret counsel. This term, some translations use the word intimacy, the intimacy of the Lord. And they are doing and they are doing using the word intimacy because of how the word points to this kind of inner circle communication that you enjoy with God. The secret counsel or the friendship. He trusts you. He brings you into his inner circle. He says things to you that he doesn't speak to everybody. And so you enjoy his intimacy. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Again, there is fear of the Lord if you see here. Fear of the Lord and there is intimacy. Because this person knows that I can't just go marching in there and infringe upon God's holiness. He knows there is an appropriate way to conduct myself when I draw to near him. And I got to keep the, his word and act according to his covenant. And if I do all of that, he will be intimate with me. So friendship with the Lord, in verse, uh, we see that, is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. So what it means by that is, 
if you when you go deeper and deeper in understanding what it means to be in a relationship with god you see the world and sometimes even christian circles they think of fear of god in another way it is almost understood as if god is not approachable but what you see here is in fear in this reverential awe we can approach god and have an intimate relationship with god that is why david says in verse 15 my eyes are ever toward you o lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net turn to me and be gracious to me for i am lonely and afflicted he says the troubles of my heart are enlarged bring me out of my distress consider my affliction verse 18 and my trouble and forgive all my sins this is like verse 1 o oh lord i lift up my soul my eyes verse 15 are towards you o oh lord when you know god like this and things go wrong what do you do you look to him when you know god and everything goes right then also you look to him when you know god and sometimes you it feels like you are stuck in a net that's when also your eyes go to him my eyes are ever toward you o lord for you will pluck my feet out of the net so what kind of net the net that your enemies that set you to trip in or maybe the net that would further ensnare you and cause you to sin sin both things are your uh, are your sin and the hostility of the wicked and david says i am looking to the lord he will get my feet out of the net and then verse 16 to 18 he he wants the lord to turn his face toward him turn to me and be gracious to me for i am lonely and afflicted turn to me and turn your face in my direction be gracious to me for i am lonely and afflicted now if you think for a moment when we are in sin we feel very lonely isn't it sin results in loneliness we we in our sin we drive people away it brings about affliction enemies can easily make you feel like you don't have any help and your sin also can make you feel like you don't have any help there is no way out and you're stuck in this pattern of sin and that grows verse 17 the troubles of my heart are enlarged bring me out of my distress consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins this is what happened to us the stuff that causes us emotional pain it it, it it's like it grows and swells within our hearts and other stuffs the troubles of my heart are enlarged and look at how david is dealing with that david is not feeling sorry for himself feeling oh poor me why is this happening only to me everyone seems to be doing okay it feels like i get alone in this all by myself and that is not david in the midst of that even through so much distress he is praying to the lord he is saying bring me out of my distress and then verse 18 consider my affliction literally what is david saying is that look at my pain lord it is like he is saying turn your face toward me and look at my situation my affliction and my trouble forgive me of my sin and towards the end david says in psalm redeem israel o god out of all his troubles so in conclusion what david realizes is that he is not only with trouble um because of his sin and because of his enemies he is also thinking about the people of israel it is all of israel all of god's people everywhere go through the same difficulties 
we have enemies, we have our sins. But we are not only the ones in this boat. And we are called to pray for our brothers and sisters as they face their enemies and battles and battle their own sins. Just like David, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And the steadfast love and the mercy of God is our refuge. Let me not be put to shame, we see in verse 20, as the psalmist says, for I take refuge in you. The psalm ultimately points us to Jesus Christ, beloved, if you think for a moment. We, we, we heard the psalm, right? Jesus had enemies during his day. Jesus didn't sin, but Hebrews tells us that he was tempted like we are, and he resisted that temptation. How is he going to resist the temptation? Because he is looking to the Lord. He is walking in the ways, he was walking in the ways of the Lord. And his enemies, he never avenged upon them. He patiently waited for God to vindicate him. One day he is going to be, one day he is going to. So the way David is waiting on the Lord to vindicate him is one day ultimately be done and fulfilled in Jesus. And Jesus lived out this theological necessity to, 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 to help us understand this pa passage. God is only able to forgive because he has established justice in the death of Jesus and on the cross. Jesus went to the cross to make it so that God could uphold his steadfast love and truth and pardon guilty people like us. Otherwise, that is unjust. It is a wicked judge that does that. But because of Jesus, who lived out the fulfillment of this passage, it is about Jesus, the psalm sings, my friends. We heard these words in our scripture reading earlier. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have only also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh yes, we can't wait, isn't it? David only saw the shadow. We have seen the ultimate picture of hope in Jesus Christ. So just like David, we can walk in faith, knowing God and who he is and his promises is the foundation for the life of our faith. And Revelation 3 verse 11, we see there is another promise. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven and my own new name. So if you don't know God and who he is, what he is like, what he has promised, it is impossible for you to live a life of faith. He is a merciful God. He is the God of our salvation. He is full of loving kindness. He is good. He is upright. He is faithful. He is a close and intimate friend. He is a covenant-keeping God. 
he is gracious he and he forgives and he is our refuge and he is our redeemer and my friend if you are a visitor here and you are or you are regularly attending grace and if you don't know if god in any of above these ways feel free to stay back after the service and come and talk to me or any of our members we'll be happy to sit with you and show these truths to you from scriptures so as a result of these truths we see in the scriptures we can lift our souls to god we can trust him wait for him learn from him be led by him so acknowledge our need and god's protection in this wor- world is critical if you wake up tomorrow morning and say peace there is peace you'll be mistaken oh yes peace with god for sure jc ryle reminds us that christian life is one of peace and warfare and the dangers that are around us are more than we know so let us humble ourselves before god saying i need you lord i need your protection i need you to deliver me i need you to show my sin and i need you to help me understand your ways please keep me from my worst enemy and who is that that's me lord protect me from my own wicked heart help me to remember that you are my god and you are my good portion and we do that until jesus comes back so friends let us walk with the lord together because the friendship and the intimacy that we share is just not for today it is for eternity let us pray father we thank you for your grace and mercy thank you for your steadfast love and thank you lord for the friendship and the intimacy and the relationship that we enjoy based on the finished work of your son jesus christ and now we ask lord as one body that you would teach us your ways help us father to repent of our sins show us our sinful patterns lord and give us grace to overcome them by the power of your grace we pray that law that uh, we as grace church would be oh, people who would walk in obedience and we will be people who people who are patiently waiting for your coming may we be found faithful till the day do you return in jesus name we pray